Well, welcome back to another special edition of the Lamp Post Listener. My name is Daniel. I'm Phil. And this is a podcast where we are going to be talking about the second day of the C.S. Lewis International Symposium here in Montreat, North Carolina. It's been a good time. I am so tired, but it has been a wonderful time. It's, it's the kind of tired where you're not going to fall asleep because you have so much energy built up, but you can feel the the tired behind your eyes. Yeah, every time I sit down, I feel that, but then I know when I try to go to bed tonight, I will be not able to fall asleep with all these ideas. So okay. let's uh, let's cut right to the chase. So, Phil, let's talk about some of the uh, talks we were able to attend today and some of our big takeaways. And then I got some books here I just wanted to talk about that I, that I got to purchase as well. So let's go. Let's start with Diana Glyer. Yeah, so she gave a talk today about what we can learn from the Inklings. She spoke mostly on Tolkien and Lewis and their friendship in the context of the Inklings, and it was really good. It was incredible. It was so good. Uh, she received a standing ovation at the end. It was a really, really powerful talk. And a little bit of context, there's a there's a built-in like 90-second stand-up break in between two talks that are right back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the guy goes up, he's like, well, we don't even need to do the break because everybody stood up for that. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons, obviously we can't get into all of it here, but I think one of the things that she so masterfully did was take this uh, friendship between these two men and weave it into why it's important for us today. Not just why it was important then, but why it was important today. It's almost like she thought, she realized that the title of the conference was Influence and Relevance Today. Mm-hmm. And I just want to talk about two of the takeaways that I wrote down. And she said this at the end of her her talk. She reminded us, that she reminded the audience that Lewis and Tolkien, they were not the center of the group of Inklings. That instead it was friendship and their collaboration. And she spoke so highly of this uh, collaborative dynamic that they had. She talked about them as a, as a dyad and you know compared them to Lennon and McCartney and these, these two people. Real, real quick, define a dyad. It's, it's two people who have a significant relationship together, uh, a, a partnership is, yep. is the way that she was using it. And she talks about their partnership and how, you know, their, their friendship was, it was kind of slow to build and it was forged over common interests instead of common personality, you know. And she, she then wove that into this second main point which was that, you know, we all, we all need this. Just the same way that Tolkien and Lewis's friendship and their collaboration as authors kind of spurred one another on, despite, and we've talked about it ad nauseum on the show before, the, the differences that they had, especially in the work between The Lord of the Rings and, and Narnia. She talked about how we, how we all need that, that we, we all need collaborative and um, diverse viewpoints. And she even she even went to the, the, the prayer of St. Francis, saying, you know, we need to seek first to be, uh, to, we need to seek first to understand before we are understood, and it was a it was a really powerful talk. It was it was it was wonderful. She also got into a little bit of the mirror neuron theory, which is when when someone does something for you, you kind of want to do it back. Is a very very simplistic version of that. Um, that's something I read this great book called Just Listen, and it talks about how before someone listens to you, they need to feel heard. And she did a really good job of connecting all that together yeah and i saw a couple times you were you were on your phone during her talk but you weren't scrolling facebook you were looking up a bunch of different uh, elvish languages of tolkien's well, this wasn't during her talk but oh, okay afterwards i was looking stuff up just because i was interested and she talked about tolkien's love for language mm-hmm. and how he he wrote a story when he was a kid right it was that they uh, the, the Great Green Dragon. No, the Green, the green Great Dragon. The Green Great Dragon. Then the order is important because 
he wrote it and someone told him, no, the order's wrong. his mother, wrong. I think. It was his mom. His mom said, the order's wrong. It should be the great green dragon. And he he couldn't understand why that was, but he wanted to know what the rules were. And that turned into a lifelong love of languages. And I knew that there had been full languages used in the Lord of the Rings that he had made up completely, but I didn't know to what extent. And it sounds like he made up more than just that. Um, I also learned today that um, when he was communicating with his wife as an officer in World War One, he used um, hidden dots. Like he used dots to communicate a map of where he was, so that only she would know, and that they could get past the sensors. And did stuff. you did you read that? Because I don't remember everyone saying that today. Did they? No, I read that. Oh, okay, I was like, yeah, so I went like I took one thing that she said and just kind of went deep on yeah. that point. And um, I also I feel like they cleared up a lot of stuff about the friendship um, and the relationship, but also the banter between. Lewis and Tolkien Mm -hmm. and Tolkien had some very strong opinions, but I think it was out of a love for their, their craft Mm -hmm. and they wanted things to get better and they were willing to give each other some very constructive feedback. Yeah, it was, it was, it was probably my favorite talk of the day. I loved all all the ones we were able to attend, but I think that one real, and I think it spoke the most to us and what we're doing with this podcast as well too. Uh, but then we also, after that, we got to hear from uh, Dr. Crystal Downing, and she t- spoke on Dorothy Sayers and her relationship with Lewis, but then also focused on um, of, of Sayers and her background uh, with film and film criticism, which I was not very aware of. Yeah, one interesting part about that is we got to see a lot of stuff from 1911 and around that time. I didn't, to me, film kind of begins, begins in the 20s, 1920s. But there's a lot of silent stuff, including um, a French film, Le, Fr- Le Inferno. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My French is terrible, but um, it was also neat because Crystal Downing, Dr. Crystal Downing was a, and she's a film critic, or she studies film. How would you say it? Yeah, I think that's one That's one of the, her, her areas of expertise, absolutely. Yeah. And we got, we got to spend a little bit of time um, watching some film afterwards, and it was neat to do that in the context of what we had just seen and that was kind of fun. Yeah, we got to see a, a film by another uh, one of the, or what are we, participants? Attendees here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was wonderful. It was really, really well done. And it was just kind of a small group of, uh, of us that went off to this side room to watch it. And it was cool to hear Dr. Downing, uh, you know, give some some very, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, helpful feedback. And it was, it was cool. It was really interesting. So one thing I really noticed is I think that, so we, we've all had this experience where you read a book and then they turn it into a movie and they didn't include your favorite part or they changed a word or they added a line that doesn't match up with the character or they added an entire new section that you didn't like. And she made a really good point, and I think you and I have talked about this before, but the medium is different and it needs different stuff. You don't want a point-by-point book. And I think, I've actually, I forget which book it was, but some book was made into a movie and they, they were so exact and so perfect, and they did every single line, and the movie kind of bombed because it doesn't work. It's just yeah. a different, it's a different medium. Um, but she was talking about how there's something about the visual going directly to you, and you just experience it in a different way. And how yeah. um, Lewis may have was been a fan of that, or just appreciated how mm-hmm. how that was able to be done. It's also more accessible now that I think about it. Yeah, because you don't necessarily have to know how to read. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's keep moving because we have actually uh, Douglas Gresham, the final talk of the night. He is in about 20 minutes going to give his talk on the uh, adaptations, the visual, speaking of a film, the different adaptations of of Narnia. And so 
uh, a couple more of the talks we got to attend today. There was one by uh, Dr. Root, who talked about the surprising imagination of Lewis. And you were spoiled a little bit because he, um, which which is 100% fair because we are at a C.S. Lewis conference and... Uh, but but you kind of heard a little bit about the ending of Don Treader, and he yeah. didn't say anything about the last battle, which made me very happy because I really don't want you to be spoiled on that. So the only reason I'm upset about having any spoilers is that the whole you knowing and I me not knowing has been a fun dynamic on the show. But I really like reading a summary of a plot before I go see something sometimes, especially if it's an older an older thing that. Like in the sixth sense, you know that he's been dead the whole time. That's been spoiled for me like nine times. But just going into something, knowing the framework, and then getting to see how they get there can be a fun experience. So in this case, for the Don Treader, I'm not really looking forward to that scene because he was a very engaging speaker, and he told the story of the story very, very well. <laughs> so I think we just skip ahead to Silver Chair, right? Right. Yeah, the yeah. next episode, we'll just do Sorry, Silver guys. Chair. <laughs> um, so I and he talked a lot about the imagination of, of Lewis, and I think some of his his work will come into the rest of the season. I picked up his book, The Surprising Imagination of C.S. Lewis, and again that's by Dr. Uh, Jerry Root. And I was, you know, flipping through it today and saw there's going to be a lot of stuff for us to dive into. And you know, speaking of Don Treader, I I also picked up uh Devin Brown's Inside the Voyage of the Don Treader where he goes chapter by chapter through the book. And I was just again, you know, perusing it and and going through it, you know, but between some of the different sessions. I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much good stuff here for us to talk about. So, I think that has been the, the biggest struggle with this trip is that we get some really good information. We Our minds get revved up. We really want to keep mm-hmm. pursuing some train of thought, but there's more to go to. So I think the whole purpose of this trip is we're like, we're immersing ourselves in it, but then we need to go home and process. And I'm looking forward to the drive now because there's quite a bit to process. You want you want to have the microphones on while we drive? Yeah. Is that safe? No. Um, also, yeah. the audio would be terrible. <laughs> yeah. If it was in a Toyota, sure. <laughs> well, the the and the last session that we attended was one by uh, Dr. Hal Poe on C.S. Lewis and science and technology, which I'll be honest, as a humanities teacher, I was not nearly as excited about. But I I took away a lot of of great stuff, especially when he, ta- he he spoke on, and I am not qualified to speak on this at all, but he spoke on Einstein's theory of relativity and how it relates to the way that time passes mm-hmm. in Narnia. Yeah. And he talked about, as he focused a lot on Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and on Prince Caspian on how, you know, time, yeah, as a, is Einstein's idea is that time is a dimension, it's a physical thing. It's almost better thought of as a duration. And again, if anyone's a scientist, I don't really know what I'm talking about <laughs> here. Uh, literature and history are, are my thing, not science. But that I did just that kind of took me aback to be like, wow, because I often think of Lewis kind of pushing away from really most modern things. Because with with literature, I mean, him and Tolkien, we were speaking to some other people at dinner. They were often looking at uh, Dickens, saying, "Oh, that that's much too modern for for." for us to be reading and they were looking back centuries and centuries. And so mm-hmm. I think I just assumed that that would be Lewis's take on, on science as well too. And it, it actually wasn't. Well, there was an interesting separation between science and technology. I think science in terms of understanding how our world works was very important to Lewis and he paid so much attention. And you heard what he said. He said Lewis was constantly keeping up with the latest news and f- like what they were discovering and what they learned. And he actually used it, in his writing and some of the time stuff, like Einstein was around his time and that got incorporated, that theory of time and stuff, I think was at least influenced by that knowledge. 
Um, it was also neat that we got to hear exactly when science fiction began, and it was right after Jane Austen. And this is another time where I was on my phone because I was looking up the exact dates. But Jane Austen dies, and then science fiction starts. And it's kind of the end of one era and the beginning of another. And there's some fun things because when you're looking on Wikipedia, the picture of Jane Austen is a painting in watercolor, and mm-hmm. then the pictures of everybody else are photographs because <laughs> now they're available. And I think there's just an explosion that we yeah. have. All kinds of stuff. Electricity was a little bit earlier, but moving pictures and photographs, at least on a mass scale, were now available, and it ushered in this new era. But it's also funny to me because my mom really likes Jane Austen, and I think that's kind of where her interest in literature... She reads all kinds of stuff, including modern things, but she doesn't care as much for science fiction. Mm -hmm. And to me, I'm like, I think that's our dividing line. It's when Jane Austen died. (laughs) She really likes Jane Austen. She's read all those books nine times plus. Did you say his books? All of those books. Oh, those books. Okay. (laughs) No, it's not a George Eliot situation. Um, And Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein, um, and then Edgar Allan Poe were kind of the beginning of science fiction, but they didn't really know what to categorize them as. So Frankenstein was gothic horror, and then um, Edgar Allan Poe was, do you remember that one? I don't remember the exact, I mean, I, horror, but he had some other kind of uh, yeah. adjective in front of that, but I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah, it was, a, it was a word that's not used very much anymore. Yeah, well, Phil, we are just about out of time, and we do not want to be late to this this next talk. So tomorrow, we'll have kind of a final, you know, wrap up our, our time here episode, and we'll talk about the talk we're about to attend, which is Douglas Gresham looking at... Um, the, the past few decades in Narnia adaptations and then looking into the future and what that means for the rest of the 21st century. And then we've got a couple of, of closing things tomorrow. So and we'll have to talk more. We, we got to meet Douglas Gresham today. I know that we're, we did. I don't know how we didn't we start a off with, with that. Him. We did. Uh, it was really great to be able to talk to him, uh, even just for, for just a couple of minutes. I would say he's a very kind and generous person. <laughs> I, think, then, yeah. I think he was influenced by being around Lewis himself and, yeah. and Tolkien, but he just, he doesn't have to talk to us. And he was very polite. He said a few things back and forth. It didn't seem like he was forcing himself to. It was just mm-hmm. he was doing um, what he, I guess, had been raised to do. Yeah. And then, but he also was like very firm. Was, oh, I think the the next talker speaker is about to show up on stage and kind of wrapped everything up yeah. very so, politely. Yeah, we can talk more about that that conversation tomorrow. Uh, but so, listeners, thank you so much for for tuning back in, and we'll be back uh, pretty soon. <laughs>